from the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Thanks for tuning in and making Washington Watch part of your day. Well, coming up on this Monday edition, the legacy media is lamenting the rise of the mama bears. Yesterday, ABC ran this headline, quote, Mama Bears may be the 2024 race's soccer moms, but where the GOP seeks votes, some see extremism, end quote. Well, first, that should tell you the left is worried about the rise of politically informed and engaged moms and dads. The question is, what's driving this wave of political involvement? Well, again, look no further than the legacy media for the answer. I want to pick up on some of the things we just discussed there, including um, when it comes to transgender care in your state, because I know your administration has sued three New Jersey school districts for adopting policies to tell parents if their children are showing signs of changing their gender identity. Why is Mr. Christie wrong when he says parents are the ones who knows, know best here and they should be involved? Listen, we took these actions because it's the right thing to do to protect these precious young people. This is a complete culture war. So that was uh, New Jersey's governor responding to CBS's Margaret Brennan yesterday. Uh, This is incredible. The state is suing local school boards, local school boards, which are actually responding to parents, demanding they be informed if their child changes their gender identity at school. Now, New Jersey is not the only state going after school boards that parents have captured from the left. We're going to talk with the president of the Chino Valley Unified School District Board in California, which is facing similar actions from California's governor, Gavin Newsom. Of course, those states that are responding to parents, well, they're now finding themselves in the crosshairs of the Biden administration which is doing whatever it takes to stop those who are protecting children and parental rights, even going so far as to roll out the dreaded Venn diagrams. You know, one of the things I love is Venn diagrams. Any math teachers in the room? I love Venn diagrams. And I have, I have done an exercise of, of, of looking to see from where are we seeing the attacks on things like voting rights, LGBTQ rights, a woman's right to make decisions about her own body, book bans. And you will not be surprised to know a lot of them revert to the same source. What a joke. That was the vice president, Kamala Harris, in Florida on Friday, attacking the state's pro-parent policies. Meg Kilgannon, a former member of the Trump Department of Education and now Senior Fellow for Education Studies here at FRC, will provide us with an update on what is happening in states all across the nation. Another state that is going on the offense to protect the rights of parents is Virginia, under the leadership of Governor Glenn Youngkin. We'll get a report from the Virginia Secretary of Education, Amy Gadara, a little bit later here on Washington Watch. And the federal agents that have come forward pulling back the curtain of corruption on the Biden family, despite federal law, are being targeted for retaliation. Since I made these protected disclosures, they're legally protected. The IRS has chosen to retaliate uh, against me in multiple ways. That was IRS agent Gary Shapley 
We'll get the latest on the growing Biden family scandal from Wisconsin Senator Ron Johnson later here on Washington Watch. We'll also get an update on the National Defense Authorization Act and the efforts by Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville to stop the Biden administration from forcing you, the taxpayer, to facilitate elective abortions in the military, despite federal law to the contrary. The website, TonyPerkins.com. If you miss anything, it's all archived right there at TonyPerkins.com. Our word for today comes from Luke chapter 17. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. Forgiveness is a characteristic that should set us as followers of Jesus Christ apart from the rest of the world. Jesus teaches that forgiveness is unending, springing from the fountain of life from which we find our own forgiveness. Look at how the apostles respond to this instruction in verse 5. And the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. They understood faith in God was required to forgive our fellow man. Faith that God would provide, faith that God would protect, faith that God's promises were true. Timid and half-hearted forgiveness toward others could be an indication of timid and half-hearted faith in God. To find out more about our journey through the Bible, go to frc.org Bible. Well, recall back in 2021, during one of the final debates in the gubernatorial election in Virginia between then-Governor Terry McAuliffe and Glenn Youngkin, when Governor McAuliffe said this. I don't think parents should be telling schools what they should teach. He said, I don't think parents should be telling schools what they should be teaching their children. Now, that, I believe, decided the outcome of the election when Glenn Youngkin went on to win. We'll talk later with his secretary of education and how they are now involving parents. But I first want to explore why, why the left is dead set against allowing parents to engage in their children's education. We're always told that we parents need to be involved in the education of their children. But when they do get involved and it's not to the left's liking, They want to block them out. So while there has been a wave of parental involvement in the last few years, the left has noticed this, and they are working to crush. They're working to crush it. This has taken place from coast to coast with both California Governor Gavin Newsom and, as we just heard from New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy, threatening lawsuits against districts that defy the left's LGBT agenda. Joining me now to discuss this is Meg Kilgannon, Senior Fellow for Education Studies here at the Family Research Council. Meg, welcome back to Washington Watch. It's great to see you, Tony. Thanks for having me. So, Meg, we've seen this rise of parental involvement. We've seen moms in a number of organizations, Mama Bears, Moms for Liberty, that have sprung forward, even uh, prompting the Southern Poverty Law Center to label some of these moms groups as extremist anti-government groups. What is the left afraid of when it comes to parents? Well, they're afraid that we're going to find out that there is an, uh, an effort to indoctrinate our children into a progressive worldview and uh, that, that they know that this is something that most parents don't agree with. Um, the interesting thing about the the McAuliffe clip that you played is is that, yes, they don't think we should be able to say what our children are taught, but they also don't think we should be able to know 
what our children are taught. We can't see it, we can't hear it, and we certainly can't have any opinion about it. And this is what parents are so tired of. Because when when it was pretty easy to keep parents in the dark, we're busy, many working, most parents are working, often both parents are working, their kids are in school, they're checking the homework maybe, but but as far as what goes on in the classroom, we're not there to see it, right? But then the pandemic happened and we were able to see it and we didn't like it. And so more and more parents started looking into what was going on in schools and the more we looked, the less we liked. So this, this effort to, to stop the momentum around the parents' rights movement is definitely going, going to continue from the left because they can't give up their, the new recruits for their agenda, and they are our children. Uh, Meg, this doesn't make a lot of sense politically. I mean, we saw coming out of the pandemic, the, the election there in Virginia after the 2020 election, this was uh, you know, often seen as a, uh, a bellwether election. You know, what's going to happen after you have a change of administrations when Biden wins the national election and an upset in a blue state. You have uh, Glenn Youngkin winning, and it was over this issue of education. We're seeing polling data. 75% of parents are, think that they should be given uh, the opportunity for informed consent before a ch their child would uh, change their gender identity at school. So this is not even close. So why is the left doubling down? You've got the governor of New Jersey uh, suing local school boards. You have uh, the similar action being taken by the governor of California. Right. When we when we train candidates to run for school board and they run and win, one of the first questions that we often get from them is, how do I fire the general counsel on my school board? Because they're giving me bad advice. That goes to this legal issue is there is a a progressive legal movement in this country who is advising school boards to go along with every civil rights, fake civil rights agenda, sexual civil rights agenda for children that can be thought up. And this is simply not okay with most parents. Even parents who disagree politically do agree that we shouldn't sexualize children. There's enough porn outside the school building. We don't need to be putting it in the school building. And so most parents can agree on a lot of these things. The left, it has the advantage of a complicit mainstream media. And so you have people who are in one information bubble on our side, and then you have people who are in another information bubble on the other side. And so when Phil Murphy comes on to CBS this weekend and says, you know, isn't this great? We're, we're just defending people's civil rights. Uh, there's a group of people who want to believe him, who very desperately need to believe that that's true. And they do believe that that's true. But we know that he's not honest. I, at the sh top of the program, I, I showed a headline from ABC News where they were essentially lamenting the fact that the uh, mama bears may be the soccer moms of the 2024 election. Is this an effort to try to, to, to marginalize those moms who get involved to try to uh, thinking somehow that this is going to uh, squelch that movement? Well, sure. The easiest thing to do with people you don't agree with is to call them crazy, right? To call them a liar, to call them names, call them an extremist, call them a racist. And so that's what this is an effort to do. The, the moms and dads who are 
in, in this debate at the school system, the school system that their tax dollars pay for. It may be the same school system that those very parents went to and had a great education in before they sent their own children there. This, these, this agenda that's being forced on them and that they're resisting, they're, it's not like they're going in and trying to take over the school system with some crazy idea. We're just trying to get the crazy out, right? right. To, to not have children taught wrong history, not have children taught that they could be born in the wrong body, not have children shown really sexually explicit images and sexually explicit passages in books and be, be that taught as part of the curriculum. That's, that's all we want. And but for those things, we get called names. So that's that's really been their only play so far. But and I don't think it's going to last throughout the whole election cycle because there's too much evidence against them that is right. easily seen and undeniable. But in many ways, Megan, we're, we're up to, uh, to the break, but th this is fueling division between parents and children. The, the school boards or the, the states are saying we know better what the kids need than the parents and they're literally driving a wedge between parent and child this is it's it's evil it's just it's just pure evil meg kilgannon uh great to see you thanks so much for joining us today thanks for having me tony All right, i'm gonna have some more thoughts about that because i i actually think you know when jesus talks about uh, giving description of the end times and the division in families we're seeing government policy fuel that division Truth divides, and we have schools, school boards, in some cases, state leaders driving this divide. divide. Well, coming up next, we're going to go to California. We're going to hear from a school board president who ha is standing up for parental rights, only to receive death threats. We're going to talk about that next. We'll go away. Today, more than ever, men need a reminder of what biblical manhood looks like and to understand God's good design for them, to serve as provider, instructor, battle buddy, defender, and chaplain. They need a battle plan to truly live out their role. Family Research Council's Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin and Dr. Keenan Kirtan's book, Strong and Courageous, a sequel to Man to Man, offers this battle plan so that men can pursue their God-given responsibility in a culture quickly turning away from God's design. The authors unpack the Old Testament book of Joshua as the focus of their study, asking readers to look to his leadership to help consider and apply the key principles of biblical manhood. It's time for men to accept their role in the family and community and truly embrace their God-given purpose. To order your copy of Strong and Courageous, A Call to Biblical Manhood, go to frc.org slash strongandcourageous. Again, that's frc.org slash strongandcourageous. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clausen, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific 
specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroic faith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroic faith. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to have you with us on this Monday. I've got a poll question for you. I haven't done this in a while. Uh, but uh, since we're going to focus, we're focusing a lot today on the issue of education. I've got a question for you, and you can you can take the poll by texting the word poll, P-O-L-L, to 67742. That's 67742, the word poll, P-O-L-E, P-O-L-L, excuse me. And uh, here's the here's the question. Do you support state and federal legislation requiring schools to inform parents and get their consent before children can identify as a different gender? So what do you think? Text the word POLL, P-O-L-L, to 67742. All right, as uh, Jody Heiss discussed on Friday's program, last week in California, the Chino Valley Unified School District voted to require schools to do this. Sounds radical. Notify parents if their child identifies as transgender. Shouldn't parents know that? Well, under the new policy, schools must now inform parents if a student wants to use a different name or pronoun or if their child wants to use a different bathroom. Well, pretty common sense to me. Parents should be involved in these decisions. After all, we hear all the time educators saying, well, the reason we can't get better test scores is because parents aren't involved. Parents get involved, and guess what's happened? Guess what happens? The left is furious. When school board president Sonia Shaw joined the program on Friday, her interview with Jody was continually interrupted as she received death threats on her phone, which continued throughout the weekend. Returning to the program now to update us is Sonia Shaw, president of the school board for Chino Valley Unified School District. Sonia, welcome back to Washington Watch. Hi, guys. Thank you for having me. I totally appreciate that. Well, and and on behalf of uh, parents all across this country that uh, FRC represents and listen to this program, let me let me thank you. You're a brave woman, and we're grateful for your leadership for standing up for what is right and standing up for parents to be involved in the lives of their children. That truly means a lot. I mean, I, I can't even explain to you through all of this the encouragement and the support 
that's what it's always been about. And that's how we get, you know, put one foot in front of the other. Um, we're all linked arms and I couldn't do this if it was just me. We, we all know that God's providing a way and the people. And uh, I mean, I, I'm totally 100% humbled and grateful for that. So, Sonia, before I get into some of the specifics here, share with our viewers and listeners what you've encountered since the board took this policy step. Yeah, I mean, I would love to share with you. At first, I was hesitant, but I'm like, how are people able to join in any way that they're called into this fight if we don't let them um, be aware of what's happening? Um, Because I think if I'm able to show you who comes after me or the board, for standing up to have the parents involved, then we'll know exactly what kind of battle we're in. Um, Immediately um, the next morning, our district got a phone call. Um, A lot of things were said, but one thing was very clear. This person was going to kill me, and they said that they were going to dismember my body parts, my limbs more more specifically. Um, Thank God we have an amazing police department here that jumped on it right away. to get that phone call was actually right before I jumped on um, with you guys. And I'm not gonna lie, I was shooken. Um, as the day developed and I finally had enough courage to go online and look at my district email, I had things like, you're gonna die with some inappropriate words, your children are gonna die and your animals are gonna die. And then they would say things like point of reference and they would name what kind of animals I had. And then I also got notification that people who identify as being in the terrorist um, organization Antifa posted on their website, we declare war on Sonia Shaw. They gave them my address. They said, we know where you sleep. And they've said things like, use all force possible to stop her. To me, as nerve wracking as that is, because I'm a parent, I'm a mother, I mean, it was devastating because why are we doing this to keep kids safe? And then it just reminded me, God reminded me that these are the people that are after our children. And this is something that is way beyond me being able to be bold and courageous. And I just have to trust that I'm going to be protected. Um, The community has come together. Um, I've had offers of people to be able to take turns with security, although I didn't accept that yet. Um, We're taking measures to make sure and ensure my um, children's safety. Our police department's doing extra patrol around my house. Um, so, yeah, it's just a crazy, intense time right now. Sonia, I think it's it's very wise of you just to and I'm grateful that you're willing to share this because um, I think people need to know. I mean, Jesus, when he called his disciples, yeah. uh, he actually told them, look, people are going to hate you. They're going to come after you. They're going to reject you. They're going to, uh, you know, you need to take up your cross and follow me. So I think, you know, even in yes. Christianity, we don't really lay out there that uh, you're going to run into some difficulties. And I think standing up for truth today, you're going to encounter difficulty. I mean, we've we've seen the same thing at the Family Research Council. We've had death threats. We've had a gunman come in and shoot one of our, our people. And, and fueled in large part by, by the left, like in our case, Southern Poverty Law Center. But I have to ask you, Governor Newsom, who's been targeting your school board in particular, is he not fueling this uh, vitriol and this this hatred that's being uh, pushed toward you and the school board? Um, I would say he absolutely plays the biggest part in it. Sending Tony Thurman was proof of that. Sending, um, I'm sure he had to play a part with our attorney general, Bonta, sending our district a letter trying to intimidate us. All these are intimidation factors that come from the state. And we all know who is dictating at the state. It's, it's Newsom. 
And I mean, that just proves, and I think a lot of things are being exposed. I mean, my daily prayer is for those to be revealed, exposed and removed that don't have um, the best intentions and that have ill intent for children. And unfortunately it takes a little bit of enduring some um, hard times for those things to happen. Um, but I'm glad that they're exposing themselves. That's a blessing because more and more people are starting to realize what we're up against. That's the only way it gets exposed is when you stand up yeah. and you confront it and the rest of the world can then see it. Uh, Sonia Shaw, Shaw, I want to thank you for joining us. And as president of the school board there, I just, again, want to thank you for your courage, your boldness, your leadership, and for standing your ground. Well, I truly appreciate that. Um, I, I'm very honored. I, I come not just as Sonia Shaw. I'm, I come with so many people in our community. So many people actually around the nation have reached out to us. Um, so, I mean, it, it, that's what's beautiful. God's brought us all together. All right. Well, it takes a leader. So thank you for being one. Good to see you. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. All right, folks, more on the education front when we come back. We're going to go uh, to the other side of the country, Virginia, where Governor Glenn Youngkin recently fulfilled a campaign promise by, you got it, protecting the rights of parents. That's next. Don't go away. Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community, which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid, as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. Have you seen the Now We Live series? It is a six-week worldview Bible study created in partnership with Family Research Council and Summit Ministries. This video series was put together to help Christians propel faith into action. It offers six free videos to prompt rich discussions about some of life's most foundational questions among churches, small groups, and families. Each video is led by well-known Christian voices and addresses questions regarding worldview, Jesus, truth, identity, and society. It's so important for Christians to both know the truth and to live in a way that is compatible with the truth. Being grounded in what is true and living out God's grace allows a believer's faith to truly transform one's own life and ultimately help transform a broken world. Equip yourself and other Christians to learn more about what it means to truly hold a biblical worldview. Access this important series by going to frc.org worldview. Again, go to frc.org worldview. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to have you with us on this Monday. The website, TonyPerkins.com. And if you'd like to take our poll question, uh, many of you are already taking the poll. Text the word poll, P-O-L-L, to 67742. Here's the question. Do you support state and federal legislation requiring schools 
to inform parents to get their consent before children can identify as a different gender. Again, text the word POLL, P-O-L-L, to 67742. Well, speaking of uh, parental rights and involvement in education, as Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin pledged when running for office, the Virginia Department of Education recently released revised standards for educators in the state. The new standard strengthens, you guessed it, the right of parents to direct the care and education of their children regarding gender identities, including names, pronouns, counseling, and social transgendering. Uh, transitioning rather while at school. So how are Virginia parents responding and what is the left saying? Joining me now to discuss this uh, is Virginia Secretary of Education, Amy Gadara. Uh, Secretary Gadara, welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to see you. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me back, Tony. It's a pleasure to be with you. So provide us a quick overview of what these new guidelines provide. I'd be happy to. The updated model policies restore parent rights. Uh, the prior administration had issued model policy around the uh, around issues of how to handle transgender students in classrooms and, and in schools. And they were literally uh, directing schools to keep parents in the dark. And this administration, as you know, believes deeply um, and that we have code, we have statutes backing us up that parents must be the people in charge of, of making the decisions about their child's health, their well-being, and their education. And these model policies ensure that parents are not just at the table making these decisions, that they are part of the conversation and that they're head of the table and ensuring that parents are making the decisions about their child, uh, especially at this most important topic about their identity. Um, they also ensure that we are creating safe and vibrant environments for all of our children to be going to school. Um, and so we believe that this is a step forward and we're hearing from people that this is just a common sense solution. Um, and that is something that people are embracing and are recognizing that this is a very important thing to do. And the response that we've heard has been very, very reinforcing. So uh, counter to what we were just talking about earlier in our program with New Jersey and California, this lays out four uh, primary principles, uh, chief among them engaging parents in the education, but as you said, creating uh, safe environments for for everyone. But these are, this is model legislation or model guidance. It's not uh, law. It is uh, it, it is not hard requirements. So what happens if a school district decides that ah, we're not going to do this? These are model policies, and that the law says that every single school board. Um, shall adopt this model policy or adopt one that is aligned or even um, more um, more aligned with the, with the thoughts in here or something that is even like it, but even more uh, in the spirit in which we issued this. So the expectation is that every single school board in, in Virginia will review these and adopt these. So parents will have a voice in Virginia over the these factors, these educational concerns of their children. They, they will. I mean, one, um, we hope that lots of parents will be showing up at local school boards uh, to be part of these conversations and to reinforce how important this is for parents, that their voices be heard in these conversations, and that once again, that parents are in the driver's seat, that they're at the head of the table and making decisions about their child's health, well-being, uh, and mental well-being and health being as well. I mean, as you said, this is just common sense. I mean, who, who in most cases, and I, and I think you know, we have to look at the general uh, population who, other than parents, have the most vested in the 
outcomes of their children, whether it's their, their, social, ex- their, their social experience or their educational experience. Parents, I think this Absolutely. is common sense. Absolutely, Tony. I'm a mom of two daughters. I cannot imagine that if one of my children were going through an identity crisis, trying to figure out who they were, that if I were not part of that conversation during a time when my daughters needed me more than ever before, that if our schools were keeping me out of that conversation rather than bringing me in and alerting to me that things were going on in my child's life that I might not be aware of, um, it, w- it would be terrible. And so I think that is why most parents um, are very thankful that Governor Youngkins and our administration has put out these model policies because they affirm what we all know, that parents are the most important mentors, supporters, champions, um, and providers of love and support in our children's lives, and that we have to be part of these conversations. So why are there so many that are dead set against allowing parents to be involved in these decisions? What's motivating them? So we've seen this in so many parts of education, and this is why Governor Youngkin um, is in office today, is that we've seen that schools think that they know best and that they can tell parents and tell students what they think is best for them. And this is why every single thing that we do in the Youngkin administration is about reinforcing the vital role that parents play in making sure that their children get the, gets the ed- education that they need and that parents have a say in that. Um, we continue to double down on that message that parents matter. And we know that in this area, especially, um, that if we want to ensure that we are setting up school environments, which not just welcome in parents, but also welcome the partnership between teachers and parents and students to work together. We know and the research shows us that when parents, teachers and students work together, students thrive and they flourish. And so we are all about creating those positive working relationships between schools, parents and students. But we also know in that relationship, parents' voices must be um, heard. Yes, it's a collaborative uh, effort. Um, Secretary, I commend you for uh, following through on this and, and, and staying with it. I know it's not been easy. I also commend the governor for keeping his campaign promises. It's refreshing to see and it's inspiring parents all across this nation to uh, to be involved in the education of their children. Always great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much. Thank you for covering us. Bye. All right, folks, uh, don't go away. On the other side of the break, we're going to be joined by Wisconsin Senator Ron Johnson to discuss the uh, the latest in the Biden family scandal. That's next. Are you prepared to pray, vote, and stand for biblical truth? It is imperative that Christians pray for their community and culture to steward their role as a citizen by voting and to stand for biblical truth. This means that Christians must be intentional about seeking after the Lord in all things. You can join Family Research Council and FRC Action President Tony Perkins in this mission as he hosts the Pray, Vote, Stand broadcast to inspire brothers and sisters in Christ to turn their attention to the Lord first and in every compartment of their lives. Tony is joined by experts, elected leaders, and Christian leaders for this weekly half-hour program to help you see through the fog created by the biased mainstream media. Watch the Pray, Vote, Stand weekly broadcasts and commit to pray for our nation, to stand for truth, and to seek the Lord first. Just go to PrayVoteStand.org. Again, that's PrayVoteStand.org.
Tech censorship is on the rise. Big tech companies are attempting to cancel conservatives and Christians, which is why here at Family Research Council, we've decided to be proactive so that big tech cannot silence us completely. FRC has a text subscription platform to be sure we can continue to keep you in the loop. That way, you can still find updates on faith, family, and freedom. You can get FRC's content straight to your phone. Just sign up for our text alerts by texting STAND to 67742. Again, you simply text STAND to 67742, and FRC will send you special alerts on the issues that matter to you. By subscribing, you'll also be one of the first to know about our upcoming events and programs. All of this info is yours with just a simple text. You'll have access to content that will help you continue to stand for faith, family, and freedom. And you'll know about opportunities to connect with like-minded communities. Just text STAND to 67742 and be the most informed person you know. Finding a quality news source today in this media-saturated world can be incredibly difficult. It is important to stay informed on what is going on in the world, but you need a news source you can trust. That is why Family Research Council created The Washington Stand, an online news platform with a mission to provide readers with free, factual news stories, and commentaries all from a biblical worldview. Based in Washington, D.C., our reporters provide reliable information on the most crucial issues of the day, ranging from breaking news on the hottest Supreme Court decisions to details on the latest public education stories, updates to domestic and international religious liberty cases, and more. We want you and your family to stay informed on what is happening in the world that affects faith, family, and freedom. Be encouraged. Be in the know. And stand firm in truth by visiting WashingtonStand.com today. That's WashingtonStand.com. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Hey, mark your calendars. In fact, do more than mark your calendars. Make your registration. Go ahead and uh, register for... The Pray Vote Stand Summit in Washington, D.C., February, uh, September the 15th through the 17th. Uh, so you want to make your plans, go to prayvotestand.org. We'll have uh, many national leaders, presidential candidates, uh, conservative uh, leaders, religious leaders. Uh, this is the gathering where we pray, we talk about voting, we equip, we get prepared, and we take our stand. Pray Vote Stand Summit. September the 15th through the 17th, go to prayvotestand.org. And by the way, poll question still open. If you want to take that poll, do you support state and federal legislation requiring schools to inform parents and get their consent before children can identify as a different gender? Text the word poll, P-O-L-L, to 67742 and add your voice to this important issue. As House Republicans continue to investigate the Biden family's influence peddling schemes, new reports indicate the House Oversight Committee has issued a subpoena for Devin Archer, former close friend and business associate associate of Hunter Biden, in testimony that could take place as early as this coming Thursday. Archer is expected to tell Congress that President Biden met with dozens of Hunter's business associates during his time as vice president. Throughout his 2020 campaign, as well as in interviews since taking office, President Biden has repeatedly claimed he had no knowledge of his son's foreign business dealings. Joining me now to discuss this and much more is Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin. He serves on the Senate Homeland Security Committee, the Senate Budget Committee, and the Senate Finance Committee. 
Senator Johnson, welcome back to Washington Watch. Always great to see you. Well, Tony, great to see you. So your reaction to the this latest report on the Biden family investigation? Well, as you pointed out, uh, Joe Biden has been lying through his teeth for years that he didn't have any knowledge of uh, uh, Hunter Biden's uh, overseas business dealings. Uh, we proved that that was a lie. The, the mainstream media hasn't uh, noticed it's a lie. So it, it wouldn't surprise me at all that uh, Joe Biden was you know, far more involved in uh, Hunter Biden's schemes and his grifts and his corruption. I, I want to go to what was uh, in, in, on Capitol Hill last week, the testimony of two IRS whistleblowers. The, before I, I, I get into that, I just want to, if you would give a, a quick legal definition or, or the reason we have what we call whistleblowers. Why are they there? What role do they uh, perform for good government? And what protections are they to be afforded? Well, the foundational premise of this nation is that uh, the people have the power. And uh, we, we grant government the, the ability to collect taxes, to do certain things, but we're the ultimate authority. You know, they are accountable to us, government is, and government should be transparent. And so when you have agencies that are running amok, uh, Congress uh, for, I think, more than a century has passed laws to protect uh, those individuals, those agencies, when they come forward and tell us about problems in their agencies. You know, we want transparency. We want to be able to hold these agencies accountable. And so we have a, you know, multiple laws that have been passed, very strong laws on the books. But, Tony, I come from the private sector. You know, I am shocked coming to Washington, D.C. and seeing how uh, pervasive and, quite honestly, effective retaliation is against whistleblowers. These agencies know what they're doing. They realize Congress has very... Uh, little enforcement power. And so they continue to uh, retaliate against whistleblowers with impunity. I mean, in fact, these whistleblowers from the IRS have testified that they have been retaliated against. And there seems to be no fear from those doing the retaliation in the Biden administration for this being laid out there for the public to see. Again, it's it's because Congress has very weak enforcement powers. Uh, again, there there's egregious acts of individual retaliation, but uh, from an institutional standpoint, the entire investigatory team, the IRS investigatory team was taken off the Hunter Biden investigation, just shows you the corruption of that investigation, the corruption within, uh, you know, if the IRS pulled them off, the corruption of the IRS, if DOJ pulled them off, the corruption within the, the DOJ. We, we had the head of the criminal division of the IRS in front of uh, the Senate Finance Committee a few months ago. I've been there for 30 years. I asked him point blank, have you ever seen a case when an entire investigatory team has been pulled off a case? In his years of service, he'd never seen that. So I would say this is quite unprecedented. And, you know, the level of corruption that we are witnessing right now in these federal agencies, uh, I think, may also be unprecedented. So as these whistleblowers are pulling back the curtain of corruption on the Biden family, it's also revealing as we're seeing this retaliation and we're seeing just in their testimony what the IRS, what the DOJ has done. This truly is what we've heard about the deep state. That is, it will do whatever it takes and run over whoever they have to to protect their territory. Yeah, and a really good sign of that is uh, 
uh, a lot of this obstruction, a lot of this interference in the investigation of Hunter Biden occurred during the Trump administration. You know, trust me, President Trump would have wanted to see this information come out. He would have wanted to see a thorough and honest investigation and prosecution of Hunter Biden, but that didn't happen. Uh, so, you unfortunately, you have the radical left infiltrating virtually every institution of this country. Uh, government agencies are part of those institutions. And so those institutions have been infiltrated with leftists, uh, in many cases, radical leftists. It's, it's not a fair fight. A Republican president like President Trump, you know, didn't even have a chance. I mean, let's face it, within two weeks of his presidency, uh, phone conversations between two world leaders were leaked to the media. I mean, who could President trust, Trump trust? Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a very awful state of affairs. Let's talk about some of the members of Congress that are fighting to make sure this information comes to the forefront and the American people see what is happening so that we can make the changes that need to be made. Uh, you know, part of this is going to be uh, elections, uh, but it is also making sure that we have men and women like you that are continuing to stand up and ask these questions. What type of uh, retaliatory actions or attacks have been made toward the members of Congress that are trying to expose this? Well, you know, we get vilified in the media. You know, for my part, I've, I've been accused of soliciting and disseminating Russian disinformation. They've, they've used that same Russian canard against myself and Senator Grassley. Uh, again, we get ridiculed. We get vilified. Uh, it hasn't stopped us because we, we know we're just trying to uncover and expose the truth. And uh, unfortunately, our Democrat colleagues have no interest whatsoever in uh, exposing the truth of the deep state because it's partisan in their favor. It's working in their favor. So the, the only way we can really, for example, have subpoena power is when we get the majority uh, and we have people like uh, Comer and, and Jordan and, and others, uh, Representative Smith, that are using their committees to subpoena these, these records and making this stuff public. So, Senator Johnson, what can our listeners, our viewers do to aid in this effort to not, not just expose? I mean, that's the first step, but it, it, it requires more than that. We have to change it. Well, if you have a Democrat House member, if you have a Democrat senator, uh, come to Washington, D.C. and show up at their offices and ask to meet with your uh, Democrat senator, Democrat House members. Uh, you know, you can, you can call, you can write. Uh, if, if they're personalized letters, that's a better uh, idea than, you know, some kind of black, block or, you know, uh, form letter. But showing up in Washington, D.C. or showing up in district offices is probably the most powerful. It'll be very respectful. But just talk about what's happened in this country and, and how we need, for example, a single set of uh, laws applied equally. Um, we, we can't have a dual set of set of uh, uh, dual standard of justice. And that's what we have right now. It's very dangerous for our democracy. Yeah. And, and, and what, what I want to make sure that folks realize that it, it is bad. I mean, it's real. What we're talking about here is real. But I don't want people throwing in the towel. I mean, we've got men and women like you that are fighting this fight. You just went through a tough reelection so you could come back and continue this fight. And there are many others. And I think we're at it. We're, we're at a tipping point. So now is not the time to back off to shrink back. Now is the time to push forward with everything we have, because I really think the future of our republic hinges on whether or not we uh, expose, change, and, and, and push out 
those in the deep state that are taking this nation down this path. Tony, what is so unique about America is it was really the first nation that recognized that our freedom, our rights, weren't granted to us by a king or, or by government, but they were granted to us by our creator. These are our rights, and we have to fight for them. We, we can't give up. Uh, we know what made this country great. It's, it's those God-given rights. And the essential ingredient, I say, is freedom, which is, uh, has allowed us to dream and aspire and build and create this marvel we call America. But an even higher value is truth. And right. that is what is, right now is so at risk with the media, with the leftists in these institutions, is we are losing the ability to discern truth. Yeah, and yeah. Without we, truth, what, what do we have? You're right. And we've got we've got to use our freedoms while we have them to defend that truth and, and make sure that truth is known. Uh, very quickly, Senator Johns, I want to switch topics. The um, of course, the, the Biden investigations dominating the headlines. But we have the National Defense Authorization Act moving its way through the Senate. It's already passed the House. And uh, the, the, Senator Schumer, the Democratic leader, has called the House amendments toxic. Um, You've got Senator Tuberville, who's standing up to write, again, for the law, keeping taxpayers from being forced to facilitate abortions in the military. How do you see this uh, playing out in the Senate this week? I hope we support Senator Tuberville. I hope we support the House amendments. Uh, We need a military that is ready, and I hate to say it, but lethal. I mean, that's the whole job of the military. We don't need a woke military. Um, and unfortunately, we have far too many generals. We have a commander in chief that is far more concerned about wokeness than they are about readiness. And that, that's one of the reasons that we're missing our recru- recruitment grow- goals. Um, it's, it's, it's a very troubling time in this country where you have political leadership uh, taking the finest among us and, and force them to do things that they just simply don't want to do. And so people aren't signing up. Uh, it's not the way to defend freedom. That's right. And I think what the House amendments did on the NDAA is move us from this woke weakness back to strategic strength. We don't want to use it, but we want to have it, because if you have it, you usually don't have to use it. Uh, Senator Johnson, I want to thank you for joining us. And uh, again, want to thank you for your leadership on Capitol Hill. Have a great night. All right. Senator Ron Johnson of uh, Wisconsin. And, and folks, we've got to lean in. And this is not a time to shrink back, be silent. It is a time to speak out. Before we wrap up today's program, I want to I want to bring in Travis Weber on a kind of a, an item that's been breaking over the weekend. Uh, we've talked about it last week, but I want to give an update on this. Uh, Travis Weber, vice president of policy, uh, the the PEPFAR, that was the um, the president's emergency plan for AIDS uh, relief, primarily in Africa. Like everything else, the Biden administration is hijacking this to advance what I call their trifecta. Uh, You see it in almost every piece of policy. It is it is number one, it's abortion. Number two, the LGBTQ and three, the climate. These are their three gods, if you will. It's what they worship. And it's finding its way into PEPFAR. 
Yeah, no, Tony, absolutely. You know, and this is a program that's uh, had a bipartisan consensus for years. And so people might ask, what's changed? Well, what's changed is the Biden administration's radical insistence on ramming abortion into our foreign policy in an aggressive manner that we've never seen before. And it's manifesting now, unfortunately, in the PEPFAR reauthorization. Biden repealed the Protecting Life and Global Health policy, the expanded Mexico City policy that prevented U.S. dollars from going to overseas organizations promoting or referring abortion. So now that money can flow, and it has flowed to PEPFAR recipients. So we're just asking, don't let the money go to those groups. Biden's right. also rolled out a reimagining PEPFAR plan, pledging to use uh, the program to advance sexual reproductive health. We know what that means. And I could go on. There's a number of things we know that Biden has done to push abortion worldwide. So under these conditions, anyone who wants to be pro-life in their political voting record, we have to say PEPFAR cannot go as it has been. It has to be amended to include the protecting life and global health assistance policy, expanded Mexico City policy to prevent it from funding abortion. It's really clear. So, Tony, this is um, important, and it's important that Congress uh, be aware and take this step. And I should point out that these countries don't want this. These countries don't want abortion pushed on them. And oftentimes this money is going to non-governmental organizations that are then offer, oftentimes lobbying to change the laws in that country, working against the values of that country. This is, it's, it's deceptive, it's devious. PEPFAR, long-running program, been two decades, and it's, it's as you pointed out, it's been bipartisan in its support. But it has not been funding these things until now. And so a lot of Republicans just kind of by default jumped on board with this. But it is as it stands under the Biden administration, this this will be a very dangerous piece of legislation. You know, it will. And Tony, your point, there is an op ed in The Washington Times by a number of African leaders um, indicating or mentioning a letter that they sent to Congress noting that they do not want abortion pushed in their countries, nor do they want uh, the LGBT issue uh, being pushed on them either. And Biden's uh, reimagining PEPFAR policy plan, which he came up with unilaterally, uh, this was not in existence before the Biden administration did a supposed listening session. And now they're going to use PEPFAR to push abortion LGBT. We need to call attention to this and Congress needs to push pause on this. And it will uh, put lives in danger. Travis Weber, always great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. And folks, uh, we'll have more about this uh, coming up this week. So until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234. 